This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, a Pickett's A Football Friday, 55 past the hour. Time to talk to our guy, Dusty Evely. Always talk to him week to week about the Green Bay Packers. This week is no difference. We broadcast live from the Wendy Studios. Don't forget, every time the Bucks win, you get yourself a free Frosty at participating Wisconsin Wendy's within 24 hours of a Bucks victory. And every time we talk about Green Bay on a Football Friday, is presented to you by Otto's Wine and Spirits with their seven-employee-owned locations serving Milwaukee, Otto's Wine and Spirits, dot com uh dusty a, a great piece uh, earlier this week and i'm, I'm probably going to screw up his name and if i do you can correct me uh what is it dyer uh Carriger? is that how you say his name am i saying that right i think that's how you say it diary diary Carriger. okay I, I very good pronounced. It's irish um, yeah I'm, I'm gonna go with that i think yeah so he puts out this great piece talking about all the different things that the packers have changed defensively uh since the bye week one of which is adding Cover two and cover six on a lot more snaps than they were prior to the bye week. On 45% of the snaps, you watch the All-22, you watch the film each week. What have you seen? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have the numbers breakdown, so it was good. I mean, he does good work anyway, so I was, I was excited to see him kind of kind of break that down a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I was just kind of watching the defense since the bye week, so we're three weeks in now. Um, I, I hadn't really put numbers to that, but it did seem like a little more – of that, you know, both both cover six and and cover two are both those two high structures. You, you structure that differently on the halves, depending on the coverage there. Uh, but that is something that I kind of thought they were going to lean into a little heavier. They're a little more cover three earlier. I mean, and I think earlier in the year, I guess I should say, it's a lot of single high stuff. We'll say like without putting numbers to it, watching since the bye week, like oh man, well the the, the communication's been better. I mean that was that was what was good about them in 2021. I think they were a little more kind of quarters cover six cover two heavy in 2021 if i'm not mistaken the 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 communication was good you didn't have for all the faults in joe barry's defense and there were there were multiple uh you didn't really have the bust that we had kind of grown accustomed to seeing from the pet era and stuff and so i think you know and i don't know i kind of talked to kobe about this last night as well i don't know if it is just a return to that kind of stuff going more that too high it's, it's harder to get beat over the top there 
uh, and also some of the coverage rules and some of the stuff I think are a little a little cleaner for the safeties uh, than you get from some of the single high. So I think for me, yeah, I mean, looking at that piece made a lot of sense, looking at kind of the numbers he threw out there. And I think really the biggest thing for me is watching that going, uh, listen, the, the communication looks better, and I think that shift to a little more of that the cover two, cover six world I think has, has helped them in that. And the other aspect that he pointed out was they went from a, a pretty high rate blitz team to one of the the one of the teams that blitzes the least amount uh, since mm-hmm. the bye week, and, and they're afforded that opportunity because these guys up front are still being able to get home thanks to what we just talked about the better coverage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think you know Kenny Clark, and we've talked about Kenny Clark here before. I think Kenny Clark has stepped up. Uh, during Jaron uh, Reed, sorry, uh, has has looked a little better at times than like T.J. Slayton, who has never been. Really a pass rusher, even going back to his time at Florida, um, you know he'll flash occasion. I think he's turned in some good moments. Preston Smith's been solid, and Igbari, and then Hollins have both been good. So they've gotten they've gotten some decent push up there. But yeah, I mean you can't the the leaving more guys back in coverage with that cover too. That leaves one less guy in the box. So yeah, you could you've got less chances to blitz. Um, and I did not look at you know I know the pressure stats are up. I think I didn't look at the kind of time to throw average time to throw or anything like that. But they are getting home a little bit because like you said, you're you're muddying that up. You're getting the that stuff that was there earlier. A lot of that stuff that Jefferson was dealing with them with week one was not there. And once you're moving to off your first read and you got to go to two to three, that that gives you guys a chance to get home. So it's been it's been good to see. Like I said, communication helps with that because if you get to your number two read. He's wide open because of a coverage bus. Well, it doesn't matter what your pressure situation looks like up front. But yeah, they've looked they've looked better in that. I think some of that is yeah, less uh, kind of some guys up front step out up a little bit, and some of that is is some of the coverage on the back end holding up better than it, than it did early in the year. I saw another thing. Uh, this wasn't from him, but from somebody else. Lowest quarterback rating when targeted among NFL rookie linebackers and safeties through Week 17. Number one, Quay Walker. Uh, with a 58 quarterback rating uh, when targeted uh, this season so far. The next closest is Christian Harris of the Texans at 77.9. We've talked about Quay Walker uh, a bunch, uh, you and I, during our interviews throughout mm-hmm. the year. Uh, and I thought Zach Jacobson made a great point that he he really benefits from having a vet like Devondre Campbell uh, with him and, and helping him learn the position and grow throughout the year. Uh, and without him, if there was another young guy next to him or whatever, maybe you don't see as much as much or as quick a growth from Quay Walker. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good point. I think that's that, if I'm not mistaken, that may have come from Jacob Morley. I think is, is I think is where I saw that. Uh, so it was a good pull from from Morley there. But yeah, I mean, it's that that is true. I think um, we talked early in the season. I know about some of the struggles that Campbell had. I think Campbell was having issues with Quay next to him. You know, you're teaching him the position, then beyond that, you're not the one guy back there anymore. So I think that slowed his steps. I think Campbell has gotten a little more comfortable playing next to a second linebacker a little more than he did they did last year when they're kind of not living in but working a little more out of some of that penny fronts where he was maybe the only linebacker working. So I think Campbell's gotten a little more comfortable there as well. And as it's gone on, you yeah, having a guy, not just a steady hand of, of, of Campbell, uh, you know, someone who's been around the league for a little bit and kind of knows what he's doing and, and knows what to do within Joe Barry's system and all that, I think certainly helps. But Campbell's playing better, and I think Quay is playing better as well. So I think – yeah, having, having Campbell learn the position a little better certainly helps. And, you know, I think something that's been glossed over a little bit this year that was talked to a little bit more last year was, you know, Joe Barry's trade has been inside linebackers coach. So I think as we've gone on, you know, again, Joe Barry, not without his faults at all, but but we saw, you know, a big year from Campbell last year. And I kind of wonder if more time in the system with a guy like Campbell next to him, but also spending more time with Joe Barry, who is by all accounts a very good inside linebacker coach, has kind of helped with some of the, the recognition and reaction stuff that he's been able to do. How big of an impact has Hollins made, really, for this team since they picked him up from the Rams? 
He's looked good, man. Um, you know, he's been out there. I've not looked at snap counts or anything, but he's he's been. I mean, certainly better than I than I thought. It's a, you know, losing Gary. You know, however long ago that was at this point, like that that stinks because he's your guy, and so you kind of had to step Enigbari up a little more than you'd like him to. And Enigbari's looked good, but they didn't really have a third guy. You know, it was, it was Preston Smith and Enigbari, who's the fifth round rookie, and they didn't really have another guy. And Collins has turned in some really good snaps, man. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if the offensive lines they've been going up against have been of the highest caliber, so I'm sure that plays into it somewhat, but he seems like he's got he's got a little bag of, of tricks that he can kind of pull out, different ways to rush. He's got some he's got some power, he's got some bend. Um I, I think he's you know not far far from a finished product. I think there's there's still a lot of polish there, but he certainly has given more off the edge than than certainly I expected him to. It can seem like when they signed him it was like well, you know, can't body bring him in the guy to throw at the line, but the fact that he's been giving any kind of quality reps at all is kind of a shock to me. So he's he's looked uh, he's done very well for them. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised with what he's been able to get off the edge. Let's go back to the offensive side of the ball. You wrote uh, and you write throughout the year the passing chronicles for Cheesehead TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this week you point out that as much as the Packers have thrown behind the line of scrimmage, that wasn't necessarily the case nearly as much against Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's, I think that shows an approach, uh, a shift in approach. I think coming into the game, and I, I had been tracking it, I didn't look the previous week, but I think coming into this week, they were the, still the highest team in the league in terms of throwing behind the line of scrimmage. Rodgers was targeting, you know, for all of his, you know, throwing down the field uh, prowess that he's got with his arm. They were throwing behind the line of scrimmage. It was you know, 21, 22% of their passes or something, which is the highest in the league by, by a solid 2 or 3%. Uh, and a lot of that comes down to a lot of the RPO stuff they like to run. They don't really run a whole lot of kind of vertical pushing stuff. They run a lot of bubbles, a lot of that stuff behind the line of scrimmage. So if you if you like the passing option on RPO, they'll throw the bubble, and so that, that goes down as a throw behind the line of scrimmage. And they seem to lean a little bit more. Over the past couple of weeks, some of those RPOs, they're, they're pushing vertically a little bit more. They're doing it in a way a lot of teams do not do, but they are kind of getting to that. But it seems like they've been throwing fewer RPOs. They've been calling about the same amount, but they've been running a little more than they have been throwing fewer, and then against the Vikings, it seemed like the game plan was uh, the, the intermediate area that had been attacking really well. So that, that 10 to 19 yard down the line or down the field area, they've been attacking really well since the bye. The Vikings didn't really give that to them. I think Eric Hendricks is really good at taking that stuff away. Harrison Smith will sink down on that stuff. So they lived in quick game. I mean, a lot of that, like zero to six yards down the line, something that they will uh, – Rodgers is very, very good at, and they lean in pretty heavily in 2019-2020 specifically, they leaned into that really heavy against the Vikings. Now, they didn't throw that much, but it seemed like their approach against the Vikings was less, let's throw, you know, fewer screens, fewer RPOs, and we're just going to pepper that. They, they felt good about their lineups, the matchups on the outside. Let's just pepper that area between, like, zero to six yards. We'll turn up field. We'll get, you know, get what we can, get, you know, pick up seven to 14 yards a pop on those, and we'll live that way as opposed to throwing behind limits line of scrimmage in, in the – having our guys just kind of make something happen that way. I don't think it, it signals any shift. I think they are still going to be throwing behind the line of scrimmage, but it was seemed to be a game plan specific thing against the Vikings that they, they did pretty well with. You know, we've seen Rodgers play at a very high level in his MVP seasons. It doesn't feel like he's playing at that high a level this year, and he admittedly said that he's not you know, playing as high of a level as he has had in the past. Where do you think is his biggest fall off as far as playing the quarterback position this year versus how he's done it in previous years? He's always been feeling trust. I know earlier in the season, um, there's a, a hesitation at the top of the hitch just because the guy might not be where he was, where he was thought he was going to be. And a lot of times that guy was not where he was supposed to be. And we talked about that early. A lot of the stuff, you know, Sammy Watkins, even early in the season, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, guys running wrong routes or, you know, taking the wrong, 
wrong release off the line and not getting the leverage they needed to on certain core concepts there that then would lead Rodgers to have to move off of that. And I think that kind of built a little, and he's was a little more hesitant. I think his time to throw somewhere in the middle of the year was 2.6, 2.7 uh, seconds per game, something like that, and he was down to like 2.2, 2.3 at a certain point. So I think that was part of it. I think his rhythm kind of got thrown off a bit by – you know, not not trusting or because the guy was not where he was supposed to be multiple times and he didn't really know how to do that. And then you also had not a not a full complement of guys. You know, Watson was not Watson early in the season and then he got injured and he came back and Dobbs got injured and now Watson's a little dinged up again. So I think it's been – and then there's offensive line stuff as well and Aaron Jones has been dinged up. So I think injuries have certainly played a part in it. I think he's, he's not felt super comfortable behind the line until somewhat recently and then you're breaking in these new receivers. I mean, you come into this year – and the thought was the defense will carry them until the offense can figure it out. The fact that the offense is going to struggle, passing offense specifically, that was always kind of on the table. Now, not to the extent that we saw early in the year, I don't think, but uh, it was always kind of a, they will be better later in the season than they are earlier in the season. And so, I mean, that, that happened, and Rodgers' numbers took a hit for sure. Um, and, and there is still, there's still something there. I mean, you know, he's not, not quite as quick as he used to do. You see that in some of the he had a read option a couple weeks ago that, that he couldn't really do anything with. Uh, when he tried, when he breaks out, he's still able to do somewhat, but uh, not quite what he was able to do before. But I think, I think it's still the hesitancy and the lack of comfort. And I think he's he's getting better at that um, as as the team grows around him. I think the offensive line has been, you know, he's able to trust that a little bit more. And then those weapons down the field, uh, a lot of those issues we saw in the first, I don't know, man, seven eight weeks seem like they've been cleaned up. And then with with Dobbs kind of coming back and Watson being back out there quite a bit and you know, obviously Cobb and Lazard and those guys being out there, I think we're seeing a return to that. But there's still, you know, he had those deep ball issues. He missed Watson a couple times. And I think some of that was just refs kind of letting him play. And sometimes the wind will take him a little bit. I do think the deep ball has not been where it's been before. But really his area, he's throwing between zero and 19 yards about as well as he ever has. Um, they just, it's just the deep ball I think is, is a little off. So I think we're starting to see his game come around over the past few weeks even if maybe that deep attacking game is not, not quite what we've, we've used to expect it. All right, let's talk about the Detroit Lions. Lambeau Field, win and you're in. Uh, and th- this Packers team has the feeling, like I've been uh, kind of saying on Curtin Long, our podcast, of a magic carpet ride. Uh, and it's just continuing. And there is part of me that looks at that Seahawks game and kind of wants the Seahawks to lose. So the Lions have the pressure <laughs> of winning their end because I – I feel better about Jared Goff playing tight than I do about Jared Goff having nothing to play for at this point, and I don't know if that's the right way to think about it or not. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I don't, I don't hate that line of thinking. I was actually listening to earlier today. I was listening to, to um, Pax, what she said with with uh, uh, Maggie Loney and, and Perry Goldstein, which is a podcast I just absolutely love. And they were saying like they kind of, you know, Dan Campbell. We all know Dan Campbell is kind of a lunatic, um, but the, one of the things they had pitched that I hadn't thought about is like as much as he can, like, I wonder how much Dean Campbell is going to just keep his guys away from that. Like we're playing hard regardless. Just try, try not to let his guys see what the, what that was going to be. And again, I don't know how feasible that is. Take TVs out of the locker room, keep everyone in there, you know, before the game, something like that. But I, I heard them pitch that and I was like, well, I wouldn't be shocked if that's the direction they went. If Campbell was like, we just don't want our guys to see until they kind of come out playing the same regardless. Um, you know, I, I think there's. I, I do. I, I do like your thought in terms of golf playing tighter. Honestly, I think the. I think the cold and playing outside is going to affect golf more than any kind of tightness. He's a guy that's kind of been through some things and seen some things. So maybe a little tightness, but yeah, I think. I think his performance is going to be more based on kind of what the weather is like uh, more than more than anything. I would imagine. 
All right, so where are you going on this one? Are you taking the Packers' magic carpet ride to continue, and by how much are you take him to win? I got to take him. I got to take him. And I think for a couple of reasons. I'm taking him uh, because, I, I mean, I think they're the better team. I think they're playing better now, even if the offense has looked a little, little streaky at times in the defense. I'm still not fully sold on, uh, partially because it's outside and partially because, listen, man, I've, I've been watching football a long time, and the Lions are the Lions. Uh, the, you know, they can get to these situations. You know, if they won a couple weeks ago, they controlled their own destiny, and they lost to the Panthers, who were playing good football at the time, but still. So I'm going to take the Packers. Uh, they're probably not big. Packers are not really rolling up a ton of points unless they're getting pick sixes and kickoff returns. Uh, let's go, I don't know, 28-24. So we'll keep it close because uh, I do think the Lions have a good offense and you know maybe they make a push late or something. But I'll say – well, I'll take Packers by four, I think. I'll say this. If you don't follow Dusty Evely on Twitter, shame on you. This dude does unbelievable videos and <laughs> breakdowns and diagrams and everything else going on. Plus, he does great stuff writing you know, for Cheesehead TV, Packer Report. Plus, he does a great job of co-hosting from time to time on the Pack a Day podcast. Check him out. He is really, really good at what he does. That's why I have him on every week when I can. At Dusty Evely uh, on Twitter. Dusty, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. I appreciate your support. Thank you, man. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.